Hi, this is Dave Shu. For those of you who don't know, I'm a family physician, and once a week I do a podcast called Medical Dads with my co-host, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician from Ottawa, Ontario. Stu and I talk about all things parenting, from the ridiculous to the sublime. So check it out and make it part of your week. Now available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, welcome to Unique Stories, a podcast where we talk to people about the stories that make up their lives, where they've been, what they've done, where they are heading, and more. I'm your host, David Shu. Thanks for listening. All right, so we're here with our guest from today, Jamie Dempster, real estate agent, most importantly, my real estate agent. And we go back about 10 years, and he's a member of Remax Hallmark, right? Correct. And yeah. he works throughout the GTA and especially in this North York Midtown neighborhood, right? As far as. Correct, yep. And if you want to find out more about him, you can look him up on jamiedempsterteam.ca. So I thought it would be good to bring him in and just chat a little bit about his career and about being a real estate agent and all that that entails, right? Because people who have listened to me know that I'm interested in people's life stories and getting to know them a bit beyond what you sort of see when you meet them through your regular dealings, right? So, you know, when we meet a real estate agent, immediately we have certain assumptions about who they are, what they do, how they work, you know, what, what gets them going, but we don't really get to talk to them in detail, right? We're usually working alongside them or against them. And then the, then the moment passes, but I thought it would be nice for us to chat a little bit. And even for me to find out a little bit more about you after all these years. Well, I'm glad to be here, David. Thank you uh, for having me on the show. Um, and I just appreciate the opportunity. People can just to correct you. I'm at jamiedempster.ca. Okay. Uh, so by all means, go and check out my website. And um, yeah, I'll be happy to. I'm just happy to be here. Thank you. Why don't we warm up with me telling the story of how we actually met, which is a bizarre story and worth sure. a retelling, I think. Yes. So about I think it's been about nine years ago. Um, my wife and I, we weren't married yet, but we were house, house shopping mm -hmm. and we were both, you know, we were both finishing our, I was finishing my residency and she was still a resident. So we kind of have a little bit of a tiny bit of money, but not mm -hmm. a ton. And this is right around 2007. I think the economy hadn't tanked. Actually, no. Yeah, it was around 2007. So it just tanked or it just started to move. Yeah, it was just starting, mm -hmm. but I actually had never had any experience buying a house. Like the only shopping experience I had in my life up to that point was buying a car, which was a bit of a disaster in of itself. So I was entering the house hunting process with a lot of trepidation, right? And my wife was a little bit more into it. I, at the time we weren't married. So my, I guess she was my fiance. She was more into it, right? And she had certain ideas about what kind of house we were looking for and blah, blah, blah. So she starts going around the neighborhood and just randomly attending open houses. Right. Mm -hmm. At one of these open, I think she attended like four. <laughs> like it wasn't like she attended a lot of them. At one of the open houses, she met your sister, right? Like, Who yeah, you Mary. were working with at the time. Correct. And she comes back, and every, the thing about my wife is every house she sees is the one. Like we see, she sees a house. Like I'm thinking about this one. I'm like, we just started looking, right? And I knew people who've shopped for houses for months or years, right? Wow. And so like I'm like, I really have to like put the brakes on. And this was like, you know, I. I, I knew my fiance, but we were just getting to know each other, right? We haven't been together that long. So every time she has that impulse that this is really good, I really want this one, I have to like put a stop on it and be like, you know, let's look at the numbers. Let's look at the, the data. Very normal. 
very, very normal, but it's usually um, the female that drives the ship in my experience. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not the only guy like not this. The only guy. So, and then she also comes from this background where her dad is kind of into real estate. You know, a lot of people from Hong Kong, they're kind of into real estate. They have a lot of investments on the side. So he's telling us, you know what? You don't need a real estate agent. Just go in on your own and make a deal. And then we're kind of like, should we do that? Should we not do that? We ended up actually, there was, this is before we met you. We saw one house together. And suddenly, like, she's like, I had just come home from the office or something. And she's like, we got to see this house tonight. I'm like, what's the, what's the excitement? Like, I had not seen a house yet. I was the only house I'd ever seen. And right. she's, we go into this house and then her dad's real estate agent shows up and is like, oh, you guys are interested? I'm going to go sign the papers right now. I'm going to put in the bid. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, <laughs> I, don't need, I don't have anything ready. And I've only been in this house for a few minutes. And I noticed that it doesn't even have a sidewalk. And I, I thought sidewalk was important. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So then we ended up having one of these talks, you know, when you, early relationship talks, it's like, you know, I'm not too sure that we should buy this thing and blah, blah, blah. So we, we ended up not buying it. But at this point, my anxiety level is sky high. I'm, I'm not only thinking that I have to find a house, but I'm like, can I even manage my wife through this process? Like, it's going to yeah. be chaos. So a few days later, she goes and sees another open house and meets your sister. Mm -hmm. And somehow we get connected to you. And we're like, you know what, given that you know, it was a bit of a weird situation with her dad's friend, like trying to pressure us and us trying to say no to her dad's friend. We thought, you know, let's get an outside person that we don't know. So we went as far from people we knew as we could, right? We found a white guy to represent right. us. Right? I mean, you actually came into the open house. I think Justina went in the first day and then you, I was, and I think Mary probably was at the open house on the Saturday. And I think you came back with her on the Sunday and that's where I met you. Yeah. It was for another house in the neighborhood we met. And I was like, okay. I, I, I think the only thing I remember from that is that you said you went to the same high school I did for a while. We both went to Brebeuf for a bit. Right? Yeah. So I was yeah. like, okay, I, I can deal with this. I mean, seems like a nice guy. I really think we need an agent. Moreover, we cannot use my father-in-law's buddy as a real estate agent. Right. So we sign up and then Jamie and I and us, we make a plan. We're going to go look at houses like in a week or something. Right. Correct. So yeah. I guess this is a common thing. Like you, 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 you hook up with a real estate agent. He takes you out to look at a bunch of houses. So we, we meet up that day. It's like early afternoon. And the first thing you say to us is first, I'm going to break it to you. You're probably not going to see anything you like today. And I'm like, Oh man, he's setting us up for a long day right? <laughs> of, of pain. Right? And I'm right. like, I'm like, fine, fine. That's fine. I guess this is part of the spiel, right? Like we're no not going to see anything you like. Yeah. So we go out, we look at what, three houses, like, and they were, they were all kind of mediocre, right? And some of them were terrible from what, right. yeah. one house we went to a showing, you and my wife decide you don't even want to go in, right? <laughs> so you, you guys are upstairs. I'm like, well, we're already here. I might as well explore the basement. I explore oh, all the way through the basement and I find there's a guy in there playing on the computer. Oh, right? my the rest of the house is empty, but there's a guy <laughs> in there gaming. And I'm like, I come out, I'm like, this house isn't even empty, right? That's so funny. Yeah. So then at some point in the middle of the afternoon, like late in the day, you get a call from your mom, right? Correct. Saying, okay, yeah. there's another house has appeared and it's an exclusive. Only she knows about it. And you're like, well, I'm with these people right now. Let's just show that house to them since we're there, right? Yeah. And yeah. we come into the house. It must have been like four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And long story short, by nine o'clock, we own the house, right? This, this yes. is crazy, right? So yeah, so we came into the house. My wife liked it. And we immediately said, you know what? 
let's call our parents. Let's call. So my, my future in-laws and my parents, they all came and saw it quickly. And there were a couple other families like walking around. And then we were like, you know what, if we want it, we should make a bid. Right. So we went back to our house to consider our options for bidding. And my wife's like, she's rookie, right? Like we're all rookies. She's like, she really, I really like this house. I think we should just pay the asking price. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like the the Chinese part of me is like, you never pay the asking price for anything. I I don't know anything else about real estate, but I know this much at least that we could start somewhere else. And this was back in like 2010 or it was actually around 2010, I think. And so at that time people did pay under the asking price. It's not like today so much. That's right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. suddenly, suddenly we're go. Then, then we contact you, and you're like, "Oh no, you don't pay asking, right? Like, don't don't bid with that. Go lower." And I was like, "Okay, he seems like a decent dude because he could have <laughs> really taken advantage of us at that moment, <laughs> right?" So, so we ended up going in under like I can't remember the exact numbers, but like. 30 or 40 grand under asking. Right. Right. And then we negotiated a little bit. And I remember the guy selling the house and this was vital was actually the son-in-law of the owner. The owners were were an elderly couple. They were moving to a, actually a fancier neighborhood. He was asleep upstairs, the older person, I think. And you guys were in the family room at the front of the house. Yeah. Waiting for answers. And the son-in-law was like, I remember him, him telling you, I'm going to burn this. <laughs> I guess that means he just wants to get rid of this thing, right? Yeah. And so the fundamental life lesson of this is that if you want to sell your house, don't let your son-in-law sell it for you. Let your right. own son or your daughter do it because they care. Correct. <laughs> yeah, son-in-law's like, I'm not going to taste a, a penny of this money no matter how much we sell it for. So right. I'm just going to burn it. And I didn't understand any of this stuff at that time, right? But it all makes sense in hindsight. So... Long story short, we closed that deal and that was it. We were done. I owned a house. And from then on, I was like, this guy's the man, right? One day, one house. What could be better than that? It's <laughs> true. Off market on one of the best streets in the neighborhood. And, you know, and I know that's the thing that I know. I know I knew the houses that we had booked in that day were not going to work for you before we started. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when we walked into that house, I'm like, okay, we got something here. If it were you or somebody else, I thought that house would work for a lot of people. Right. So I was really uh, supportive of the whole situation from the start. Yeah, it was good. I mean, and just so people out there think that Jamie didn't have to do anything and got easy money on this deal. Don't worry, I paid him back. I hooked him up with my sister and they, they took him out to look at some houses for a long period of time. So we're even. That is very true. That is absolutely <laughs> the case. And that was worth it too. So I'm just part of the family now, which is great. Which is great. <laughs> Absolutely. So I thought we should talk a little bit about your career because, you know, we, sure. so we've known each other, you know, since then we've done some other deals and, but I don't, I don't know a ton about your background except for the high school bit. So maybe we can talk a little bit about how you got into real estate and what that process was like. Sure. So, I mean, it's, it's been, this is one of the things in my career that I really enjoy the most is just meeting people like you guys and your family and, and just, and developing the relationship that goes above and beyond the sale, the deal. And that's always my intention. Whenever I work into negotiating, I never think about the commission, although the commission's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit back and say it's not, but that's not the driving force. The driving force is really just um, building that relationship, making sure 
people are successful in what they're doing and, and setting them up for the long-term success of being in a home with their family and not getting a call in six months or a year and saying, what did you do to me? Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And me not answering my phone. So uh, it's just a great relationship that we're, we've been able to establish throughout the years. But my story starts, you know, to be honest, yeah, I went to Ray Buff and I grew up in the neighborhood and in the North York neighborhood. And, um, and I've been selling since I was, you know, seven years old. So I, my first foray into like door knocking, you know, was me, me offering to shovel people's driveways for $10 a pop so I can buy baseball cards or was on the <laughs> playground, um, you know, selling illegal fireworks that my aunt would get from Florida when she drove up every year at 20 bucks a pop for black cats. And mm. I was always just trying to connect with people, figure out a way to um, get them what they needed. And, and, and I really got, it really gets my juices going and it really gets me excited when I can, when I can, you know, connect people with something that they're really interested in. Mm -hmm. So ever since I was a kid, I was a natural born sort of connector and seller. Um, And not in the, in the way that you would think on TV, but just in the genuine sense of, of being really passionate about connecting with people and and Mm -hmm. making sure that they get what they need. Now, Fast forward throughout, you know, high school and university, I didn't think I would be going into real estate at all. I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew I was going to sell something. Now, what that was going to be, I didn't know it was going to be houses. I didn't know it was going to be photocopiers. I didn't know it was going to be computer software. I didn't, you know, I had no clue. I just sort of freewheeled it. Right. And uh, I graduated from Western. Um King's College at Western and I followed my older brother's footsteps who's six years older and years before he had done this I went to Korea to teach English uh, wow. for eight months but before that I traveled Thailand for two months on either end so for four months and a fun fact David I was an extra in a Thai movie uh, <laughs> Charlie's Angels version uh, and I was uh, your classic white guy in the background and my <laughs> wife is still looking for the footage of that movie oh you don't have it I don't have it. Well, they paid me a hundred US dollars for the day up in Thailand. And I said, I could use a hundred bucks. I literally was living, you know, paycheck to paycheck. I, I, you know, I worked on pools all summer. Ironically, I'm selling a lot of the houses that of pools that I cleaned and I flew myself to Asia by myself. And I, 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 uh, and then I went to Korea. I taught English for eight months. Uh, using uh, McGraw Hill, which is a Canadian company to teach kids. Right. And that was a great experience. And it gave me a really good insight, actually, coming back to Toronto to, um, you know, people who, who are coming from different countries and what it must feel like to get established and set up and not speak a language and, mm-hmm. you know, go through that in a new a new place. So it really gave me a good perspective on life in that situation. So I came back to Toronto and I, my mom at the time was a top real estate agent at Remax and she was with Royal LePage before she'd won all these awards and she went into real estate after teaching uh, and raising four kids. So she went in later in life and she was extremely successful. And I think she was worried about me falling in love with a Korean girl, to be honest. <laughs> uh, so she said to me, you, you know, why don't you come home and get your real estate license and give it a shot for six months to a year. And if you don't like it, go and do something else. And at that point I didn't even consider it as an option. I just didn't know what I was going to do, mm. uh, which is, you know, cause it was never the expectation that I would sell real estate. However, she said, listen, if I retire in five or 10 years, you might as well come back and, and try it out and see what happens. And if you don't like it, at least I was still active and, and you could have learned something. So if you do like it, it's the time to do it. So I said, sure. Why not? Let's do that. So I flew home, uh, got my license, got set up, 
living in my parents' basement and, you know, on Argonne, which is, you know, not far from you. And, um, and that was in 2004. So I got licensed. This is my 20, uh, 15th year in real estate now. And since then, I spent 10 years with my sister and my mom and about, uh, no, sorry, 11 years. And four years ago, I went out on my own to establish my own team, the Jamie Dempster team. So that's how I got into real estate. And, and I learned a lot uh, of the systems early on. And I just, I just put my head down and I grinded and I met, you know, I did open houses and I just met, you know, young couples like yourself. And I said, these guys seem great. And you're like, he seems great. And we would connect and we'd say, let's just go and see what, you know, we can do together. And, you know, I, I ever since even when you bought, you know, my skill set has gone through the roof as far as what I'm, I'm even more able to bring to the table for clients. But at the time, you know, it was, it was, it was, I had the backing of an experienced agent like my mom mm -hmm. to, to, you know, if I ran into anything that I wasn't sure of, she was always there to you know coach me right. through it at the time. Right. So at that time when we met, how many years had you been working? I guess if it was 2010, I would have been working for a max of five years, four or five years. And I was single and I really, my focus wasn't on like, you know, real estate as much as it was, you know, meeting my fiance and going out and it was to help people. There's no question, but the business side of me really kicked in in 2000. And I would say, uh, yeah, around when I met you actually, 2010, 11, mm -hmm. 12, I think I, I turned a real corner. So you had never really thought about real estate as a potential career until your mom really pitched that idea to you. Yeah. I mean, I had, but the thing is I had nothing else going on. So, I mean, I really, it's not like my options were, were, you know, plenty at that point. Now, do you, did you have this, like a lot of us, when we hear something from our mom, we immediately recoil, right? Like mom's like, I want you to meet this girl that I know. It's a friend of a friend. Like, it's like, no, 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 no. I don't need that. Like, do you have, did you have that feeling? Like, I, I feel like if my mom told me what career to pick, I, I mean, my mom was always telling me what career to pick, but there's this natural, like, I don't want to do that. Did you, you, did you have that feeling or were you, fine embracing it I honestly as crazy as this sounds i didn't really uh i just said to myself you know why not i was always mm -hmm. i mean i went to thailand on my own and i landed in 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 kuala lumpur malaysia um you know that's where it started and then i worked my way north to thailand mm -hmm. and cambodia laos vietnam i did the whole stretch and i landed in this airport in kuala lumpur and i had no place to stay and i'm like well i made it here now what do i do so that was the that was my philosophy with with the opportunity to go into real estate i'm like well why don't i just see what happens and i'll get my license and then and then see what happens so i really mm -hmm. didn't pay much attention to who was telling me to do what all i knew it was an op it was an opportunity and and i didn't really have any other prospects for jobs and i mm -hmm. didn't really feel like job hunting like crazy so i'm like <laughs> why not let's see what happens and I was always told I was a natural. So my mom is like, you're a natural salesperson. You're a natural. You're going to be a natural. You're going to be a natural. You're going to be a natural. Mm -hmm. And this was driven into me. And at the time I was like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> how am I going to sell a million dollar house? What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. I still remember the first million dollar house I sold in 2008. I was so nervous. It was in like, you know, just at Steels and Young. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I put it together. And it's funny how now a starter home is, is, is a million dollars and it's just it's, your normal price. It's, it's actually kind of neat. I actually had never thought about it from the agent's point of view that if you sold a $500,000 house or a million dollar house, that that would be a milestone in your mind. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. It's a milestone. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the chase that I go after. It's, it's the excitement. It's the, 
I love starting. I'm a good starter. And that's what, that's what helps. Well, that's so, what helps me pick up clients and stuff. Yeah. So it sounds like your trajectory was pretty smooth. Like you got in, you started grinding and it was, you got successful. Was there some period during that where you had to question it, where, where it wasn't going that well? Cause most times there is at some point. Absolutely. So it wasn't always roses. I mean, you know, I wasn't making a lot of people think real estate agents, oh, you're just making the big bucks all the time, you know, and now I'm doing very well. Don't get me wrong. But that took me 10 years, you know, to build uh, and grind and meet people and work up a clientele. And mm -hmm. I was I was making less than people in the public sector for mm -hmm. a long time. And not to say people in the public sector don't make good money. But if you use that as sort of a bar, yeah. I wasn't exactly crushing it, you know, in the private sector. Okay. And I was, I was making enough to pay my rent, to fill my, my fridge with food and go out on the weekends with friends. But the story, it's funny. When I first got my license, I was 24 and I literally got licensed. And I still remember this. I was driving with the girlfriend I was dating at the time, not my current wife. Um, and we were in the car together and the, the reception was terrible. And I get a call cause we were out at a cottage and I get a call from my mom, my really good friend's aunt. And she said, Jamie, I heard you just got a license and your license. And Michael told me that you're a real estate agent and Michael's my friend. And I want to list my condo with you. Can you come down and list my condo tomorrow? Hmm. I'm like, holy cow, this is easy. I said, <laughs> you know, all I had to do is get my license and my phone would start to ring. Can I tell you it was about two years before I got another, my own listing after that? <laughs> wow. So it wasn't always, I questioned where I would fit into this business. If I was good enough, if I was able to sit and negotiate, if people would trust me mm -hmm. forever, I had a baby face and how are people ever going to trust somebody with a, with a, with, you know, now I have a beard. If I shave I, it, I was I just going to say, like, I was thinking about how you looked when we first met, you looked way younger than us for sure. Right. This is my illusion, right? I just had to grow a beard <laughs> at the time. I couldn't even grow a real beard. I could only grow like the, the, the really weird. I could grow like a goatee, which was really not a good look. So it took me a while to grind. And I tried not to get too down on myself at times, but there's no question at times I didn't think I was good enough. Um, I wasn't professional enough at times and I really had to turn the corner and, and, and a switch had to go off in me. And the switch really went off when my sister at the time had her first baby and went on mat leave and my mom had hip surgery. And I woke up to say, to, to we pay for a full-time assistant, Susan. And I had to look myself in the mirror and say, it's Susan and I against the world for the next year. Mm. And I think I did 30 deals that year to keep the business running. And it really, that was the year that really, um, you know, kicked me in the butt that I needed. Right. So sometimes it's necessity is the mother of invention. Like it, you get pinned in a corner you have to come out swinging. Absolutely. It's, you know, fight or flight. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, I was fighting, so and it worked out well. Plus I met really awesome people like you guys. So, so what did your dad do for a living? Like you grew up and your mom gave you the real estate background. What was your father's background? So they were both teachers. So my dad was a teacher at Sir Wilfrid Laurier Collegiate, where he's the head of the business department. Okay. And that was, that's kind of the funny part. I'll just quickly Coles noted on my mom is that they were both teachers. She was a grade school teacher. He was a high school teacher. She had four kids and went on maternity leave for all four of us and didn't mm. go back to work. And so they had four mortgages or three mortgages on their house in North York. Wow. And then six months after going back to work after me, cause I'm the youngest of the four, um, she went to my dad and said, I hate teaching. I want to get into real estate. He said, are you crazy? You can't do that. We have four mortgages. How are you going to open up a business that you're not even sure you're going to be good at? Right. And then my mom's best friend at the time, 
uh, Megs took her for lunch with her husband, Roger, and said, listen, we think you're going to be so good at real estate that if you don't make what you would have as a, real, as a teacher in your first year of real estate, we will uh, we'll top you up to whatever you would have made as a teacher. Mm, wow. So that's the best friend if I've ever heard it. And uh, that first year, she went to number one in Royal LePage in her office and she, hasn't, she didn't look back. So now we're kind of into the middle part of your career, right? So Correct. you've kind of built it up. It's built into something yes. and you're, you sound happy. You sound like you're doing okay. Yes. Where do you see this going? Like, you know, in the, in the hazy near future or mid, mid long term. So, I mean, it's all about growth, right? At one point I didn't care. I was literally just like running around with clients. Like not that I didn't care. I was, I was literally out with you and Justina, just having fun mm -hmm. and just selling stuff and not thinking about it as a business, mm -hmm. but just thinking about it as like, how can I help these guys? Let's right. have some fun. And I enjoyed it. And I still enjoy that aspect. So what's happened since then is I, I, it's just like you as a doctor, you have to like wear your doctor's hat and then your business hat and your managing hat and you got it. And then, you know, your overall, you, you got to put right. it all together. It changes with time if you want it to. If you want to continue to see growth. So the way I see the career going now is I've got three kids at home, three under five. I got married uh, to my wife, Kylie. Uh, about seven years ago now, pretty sure that's right. Um, <laughs> so we've got three kids under five. We've got a three-month-old. They're all boys. So um, God help us at home. It's a pretty you know chaotic mess. <laughs> we moved during COVID. We had a baby during COVID, so that was a busy uh, time for us. So we can talk about that in a different world, but a uh, different different topic. But where I see it going is I've I've got an agent now that uh, is on my team who's young and new, and he's 29 and he's he's hungry. And I'm training him to do what I've done or try to. And he runs with a lot of clients, say, on weeknights so that I can be home with my family. Mm -hmm. And I'm still there. So I've developed, I understand what my skill set really is. It's, it's negotiating, it's strategy, it's marketing, it's communication. Um, and, and so I don't necessarily need to see 500 homes with a client anymore. Right. However, I do. I still take clients out all the time. It's just in order to grow and to service you know, I've got 12 buyers right now and, and, and three, four listings going on uh, at any given time. And mm -hmm. so to have that extra set of hands has been, has been very important. I also have two assistants that are, are currently working with me. So I've learned to delegate. I've learned to focus in on what I do really well. And what I see the next five years doing is I want to 10x my business or at least go to number one at Remax. I have all these goals. I've got a vision board beside me. I've got all my goals set up. Mm -hmm. And so, so my goal is to build the business so that I can make other agents successful underneath me, mm -hmm. as well as um, continue to do more deals and grow a bigger brand presence and just continue to get bigger and better every year. Right? Fantastic. Do you ever feel like that it could be too much. Like you're, you're kind of, it sounds like you're part of the driving force of this is that you're stretched thin a little bit, right? Like you got all this family stuff is suddenly appearing. There's three little boys that you got to deal with. Right. Yeah. So yeah. there's only 24 hours in a day. So I think some of this growth is by necessity is what you're saying that I have to offload some stuff or else I'm going to lose it. Right. Correct. But at some point, a lot of times I've, I've met people who their business grows are successful, but it can get successful to a point that it's out of control. Like, do you ever think about that part of it? Or yeah. So a few years ago I had shingles and hand, foot and mouth in the same year. Cause I was so strong. Oh yes. You called me when during hand, foot, mouth. <laughs> That's right. 
You're you're my uh, you're one of my go-to doctors to call in a pinch as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's no question. There's breaking points, and I think everybody who owns a business hits it where you mm-hmm. hit a mass, and you have to make a mass change of some sort, or else things are going to you know fall apart. So at that mm-hmm. point, I got a coach to help me coach me through that, and kind of sit back and manage. The situation and I started to bring another agent in to work with me it didn't work out I went through a few agents so I realized at that point I really needed the extra just a little bit of extra help so that I could become you know to maintain the service quality I expect my clients mm-hmm. right okay. but that's but 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 I had one agent yesterday tell me her business is built on a pack of dogs you know care like like just you know running wild and and she's holding on for dear life to leash it you know, and that's how her business was built. That bit, that is the way the real, that's a great way to describe the real estate industry because if you let it, you know, all of your clients will run wild at any given time and chase you in all these different directions. So I've developed little strategies to help me uh, carve out, for instance, at the beginning of each week, what I try to do is I try to schedule my time slots for my family and that, and then I try to book clients in and around my carved out time slots mm-hmm. and that helps me you know manage and and be home more and i also call them red zone activities so if it's an offer if it's a multiple offer obviously everything the deck gets wiped clear mm-hmm. for any any money makings like um red zone a client needs that house that night if i i can't just say okay no I'm, i'll see you tomorrow mm-hmm. we're going that night but i would say in real estate 95 percent of the activities are not red zone activities right I mean, there's not that many jobs where it's that red zone constantly. Like those jobs would be quite frightening, to be that, honest. That would be insane. Yes. Yeah, but medicine is kind of <laughs> like that, right? So there's some things you just have to be there for. But And doctors traditionally have been a group of people that had really bad ability to sort of balance, right? Because probably similar to what you go through, where you're always getting tugged by someone who means well and they need something at the right. time that they need it. And if you do whatever they need at that moment, pretty soon your own time has shrunk into nothing. Correct. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And we got to take care of ourselves and our home and our family. And my biggest investment is my kids. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people lose sight of, well, at least I, I, you know, I hope most people don't, but I don't want to, I try to remind myself that if I don't invest in them, then pay now or pay later. Right. So right. I try to make sure that they're the priority. My wife is the priority. My family's the priority. And I actually find clients really respond to that well when I say like, this is number one for me. And then, you know, obviously if you use me, you'll be very successful because I'm very good at what I do. Um, But you just have to realize this is what I come with. Did you ever feel like when your mom was working and watching the way she worked, that there were certain points of how she did it that you were like, I shouldn't do it that way. Cause I've heard that a lot from people whose parents are in a job where they're grinding, right. Or their parents aren't home that often because they suddenly have to close the deal. Like I, I'm just giving some potential examples, but was there anything where you're like, I really want to copy her in this regard, but in some other regards, we're going to do it my way. Uh, so she always ran a business that was really was like, she was home for dinner every night. She was at a lot of our hockey games. Like she made it work. Uh, it was amazing, actually. So it sets so, the bar for what you want to do in that sense. From that sense, it does. From a family sense, it does. It reminds always like I never felt like she put work ahead of us, which is great. And I don't put work ahead of my kids. Um, obviously, there's red zone activities and, and my wife and everybody understands. 
the, you know, my mom did a really good job of creating systems and a structure that now my job is to take that system and structure and breathe a whole new 2020 life into it. Um, and so that's sort of where I wanted to, where I want the business to go. Uh, mm. But as far as what she did that I wouldn't do, um, or I don't really, you know, not much. I mean, she was, she's, she's, there's a reason why she was number one, right? She was right. amazing at how she did it and how she balanced. People mm. trusted her because of her morals and her, her moral compass and her family ethics. And, you know, she went to Blessed Trinity and she was there every Sunday at mass. And I was there whether I liked it or not. <laughs> a good Catholic boy. Um, I used to sleep at friends' houses and everybody else would be just, you know, uh, tired from the night over and like the Saturday night and we'd be up till four or five in the morning doing God knows what <laughs> is the kid in the neighborhood. Don't ask me that guys. Um, but I know without fail, it was like nine 30 in the morning and she would be hammering her horn in front of my buddy's house. And I would be the only one <laughs> having to get out and get to church. I'm to repent. <laughs> I'm to repent. Exactly. God. Um, anyway, so yeah, that, that's really, so my goal is to build what she's already built. So stand on the shoulder of a giant, if you will. And, and you know, at one point her business really went down uh, as the transition was happening about seven, eight years ago uh, as she was transitioning uh, to slow down. And we were still transitioning up. That's my sister and I, and, and I was trying to figure out where I fit. And then I sort of just exploded. But even eight years ago, I was still, you know, 31 at the time and, there was still, when you're dealing with downsizers, you're dealing with, you know, all these different demographics. Um, they still would look at a 30 year old kid without a beard as a, you know, as, as, as not the established agent that they were looking for. And that mm -hmm. rapidly changed as my confidence level grew. Mm -hmm. I think for sure, like as a client, like we're always looking for certain clues from the agent, like what type of agent, right? And there's yeah. no way to really tell until you work with a guy for a while to sort yeah. of see what they bring, right? And sometimes you're, sometimes I know people who are, I want cutthroat. I want a guy who is going to get me the money. But, you know, I want to sell this for as much as I can. And he has that track record. And not everyone thinks that way, but some people want that. And some agents will play to that, have a feel that kind of goes in with that, right? Some people right. want someone that's a little bit more like, you know, easy to get along with, right? So there's all sorts of types. The top agents have the recipe of both of everything. Mm. I have a million questions to, to ask you about other th parts of real estate, but your story is very interesting. And I really appreciate you sharing it with us today. I just want to close up by asking one question, because this is the first question that comes to mind for me. And it kind of ties into what, how we started this discussion, sure. which is a lot of times when people start looking for a house, they start hearing, I don't need an agent, right? That is probably the that is the most common thing, right? Like I don't need a real estate agent. I'm going to save the money on the commission and just do it my, on my own. Sure. Right. What is yeah. your response to that? My response to that is I say, go for it. You should do that. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and, and I go into it basically saying, go and do it on your own. But what ends up happening is you cut off your nose to spite your face 99% of the time because you go in thinking that this is the price you want, but it's really, you know, the selling agent in a lot of the cases is representing the interest of the seller. Now, don't get me wrong. If you can land an agent that is, that is ethically and morally and uh, the compass is right there and wants to see a win-win situation, it could happen. 
but you're making one of the biggest investments of your life. And essentially, my job as a buying agent for somebody and anyone on my team is to, my goal whenever I buy and sell real estate, and I don't think people realize this, my goal is to make my commission by saving you a ton of money. And so if I don't save a client a lot of money when they're buying or selling or put them in the best position possible to get the best house that's going to treat them the best, um, then, 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 then it's not worth you know, what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, whenever I sell a house or help somebody buy, the other thing is you want to work with a buying agent who sees things differently than you do when you walk into that house. Because my job when I walk through a house with someone is to, I call them sexy items versus unsexy items. Mm. And a sexy item is going to be your kitchen counters or your floors. Yeah, so I was just going to say granite. It's always granite. granite. (laughs) Now it's quartz. We got to, you know, it was granite when you bought. Now it's, it's, you know, we've. Yeah, environmentally friendly. Yes. Environmentally friendly. (laughs) So we're into quartz and, but those are sexy items, but. I said any agent or anybody or any consumer can really see those things with their own eyes. Mm -hmm. But if you have the right agent to walk through a house, just like you and Justine and I did and said, let's get out of here. This isn't going to work. The windows are older. The roof is older. The furnace is older. You know, there's a development that's going to be going up in the backyard. That's going to create a seven story building overlooking your backyard in six Mm -hmm. years. You know, all of these things, if you've got an agent that really cares about you and the relationship, not just now, but the long term, that's the value that you want in a real estate agent and in all honesty, and this is where people lose the forest from the trees. When you're spending $1.5 million, when you're spending $2 million, when you're spending a million dollars, in all honesty, an agent will make two and a half percent, which is 25,000. Mm-hmm. I tell people if I cannot make a $25,000 swing happen on a $1.5 million deal, then definitely do not hire me. Mm. Go do it yourself. But you're taking a risk and you got to understand that my job in life is negotiating. And my job in life is to make sure people are set up for the rest of their life. Right. That, that $25,000 over the course of a 30-year mortgage or the course of your life in that place and your happiness as a family is honestly, um, it seems like a lot of money, but the forest from the trees, it's really not in the grand scheme of things. Right, right. I mean, right. I could go on. I have a lot of stories about real estate agent horror stories, mostly coming from my parents who experienced every one of these firsthand. Yep. But I think we will share that in maybe our next discussion. Let's do it. I'm in. I love All right. It. Sounds good. Well, really appreciate you taking the time to tell us the story. I actually very, I really enjoyed listening to it. And I learned a bit more about you through it. And I will come up with some questions for, from, our, from me that I think people will want to know about the behind the scenes of what's going on during a deal for the next discussion. Well, I will open the curtain and and show you everything that's going on back here. Uh, Anytime, David. Thanks for having me. Sounds good. Take care, man. Take care.